All right, Yael Lasowski joins us uh, from the Consumer Choice Center every Friday just after 9.30, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice at consumerchoicecenter.org. Yael, it's a pleasure, and uh, you've got to be on the edge of your seat as tomorrow you head back to the United States of America for the first time in six months from Vienna. You go from lockdown status uh, to the swamp uh, and then into the semi-free state of North Carolina all within a 24-hour period. Give us your thoughts as you embark on this journey back across the pond. Yeah, I I feel like uh, Joe Biden gave his speech there uh, knowing that I would be coming uh, so I could criticize it uh, very soon. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm very excited uh, getting back to the United States. I mean, I think many people over here have been just looking in awe at what's happening in the United States in the amount of freedom that people are able to have, the vaccination campaigns. Uh, that is something that I'm really looking forward to. I know, Joe, that you're not too hot on the uh, mask mandates and the uh, capacity restrictions, but uh, to tell you the truth, it's, it's better than what I got, which is my squash court closed for over a year, gym closed, no haircut since December, haven't been to a bar in months, Uh, ready for that level of freedom that I know we'll have in North Carolina. Hey, with that said, and also, you know, talk about, of course, the country to the north uh, of uh, the U.S. and Canada. What what have they been doing with basketball courts uh, in Canada, and they won't let you play golf? Is that it, uh, north of the border? Yeah, Yeah. uh, it's been enraging uh, the sports folk. They actually, in uh, the province of Ontario, uh, where Toronto is, have been covering up the basketball courts, you know, putting all kinds of uh, caution warning tape uh, all over those. The golfers have not been allowed to go out golfing at all uh, when they were allowed just a couple of weeks ago, but then the government reversed itself. Uh, so, so the golfers are definitely upset. I mean, none of this, as we know, is based on any science at all. This is uh, basically the same that I've been seeing for a long time. I even saw the other day, Joe, at a playground they had locked the door to the sand pit. Makes absolutely no sense. This is the kind of you know public health uh, status that we have in the, the year 2021. I think it's, it's just insane that we've let it go this far. Our public health experts are experts no more. And uh, Yael, of course, uh, the pastor uh, from uh, Alberta uh, has uh, gotten a lot of attention on social for uh, his uh, uh, reactions to what he calls the Gestapo uh, coming to try and shut down his place of worship. Uh, I'm sure you've caught in a a few of his videos. Uh, What do you make of his reaction to law enforcement coming in and trying to break up uh, folks who are going to uh, his church? Yeah, and I think um, what what is happening in Canada, and you've actually seen now court cases coming out of California, it's much the same, is that the second that any of this stuff actually goes to trial and goes before a judge, usually it's thrown out because they say that the emergency measures have gone too far. And that's that's certainly what you've seen from the pastor in Alberta. And, and just showing what the police are doing, again, in 2021, in supposedly free societies you know, liberal democratic countries, we should not have a situation where you have police trying to break up peaceful people who are at a a church ceremony, something that's constitutionally protected in most liberal democracies. Uh, It's something that, again, it's it's gone too far. And, you know, people might say it's the police's fault, but I, I actually do blame the political system and the politicians. 
in many cases, it's the governors or it's the premiers, if you're in Canada. They set up all these emergency declarations, these emergency rules. Uh, we've had a couple people on our radio show who are suing various governors and their emergency measures. So I think, yeah, at the end of this, maybe it'll take a couple of months. We've had the doctors running our society, you know, the past couple of months, maybe the last year. Um, it seems the lawyers are going to come back. And uh, they're going to make sure that, you know, our countries are following the rule of law. Uh, we're not putting out unconstitutional emergency measures. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Well, of course, here in North Carolina, as you know, our esteemed governor, King Cooper, as we have coined our top executive in that it's only been legislation and litigation. Anytime the Republicans in the General Assembly move forward with a proposal to, say, get the schools open or you know bring people back to indoor and outdoor sporting events, only until they move forward with legislation and then you know put the bill on his desk and say, hey, what are you going to do? Or with litigation, because we We've spoken, along with yourself, you know, as you just mentioned, attorneys that have filed lawsuits on behalf of, you know, the quote-unquote non-essential businesses, particularly the private bars that were that remained closed for the better part of the past year, while uh, you know other establishments that. Uh, provide the same services uh, to consumers uh, were allowed to open uh, albeit in a you know in a restricted way uh, that the governor moved forward only legislation and litigation has changed our king's mind and uh, with that said yeah yeah when we look at the perspective and i think you as part of uh, you know this program break it down better than anyone else when we talk about the ways of life the forms of government all across uh, the the world uh, the differences between the EU America the nordic countries that we often hear you know, are the socialist utopias. You break that down and explain why and how uh, this all works in different parts of the world to give us a little perspective and insight that you don't necessarily get day-to-day -day, uh, from a Bernie Sanders type or you know, a Joe Biden-esque uh, speech that we heard uh, the other day. More centralized government is better for the American people. Uh, with that said, you know what, as... Europeans out there that you may talk to you know, in and around Vienna when you do get a chance to have a conversation with them, when they look across the pond and see the U.S. as far as being open in certain areas, you know, some areas kind of in the gray and then others locked down, what, what, is, what, what, what do they see as far as, you know, how they view where we're at in this country as compared to complete lockdown like we continue to see in your neck of the woods? Well, you're starting to see in Europe a real big distrust of the elites who are in charge of political affairs and because they they see America getting back to normal uh, quickly getting back on its feet entire bars open uh, entire beaches open uh, people celebrating you know in parks with large groups of people going to sporting events you know when they see that they see absolute failure at the level of vaccines in the European Union. The procurement here was terrible. It was bad. And I even saw and I, I read a lot of analysis on it from you know some of the New York establishment media, and they say it's because the European Union decided to go free market and to uh, try to negotiate down to get better prices, which is absolutely... Uh, in a way, that's not the free market way at all. What the European Union did is they waited and waited and waited 
They couldn't get the decisions. They couldn't get the money together. And in the end, they were not concerned about getting the vaccines into the arms of people so that they could restore the freedom of the people. They were just negotiating it down and trying to get the cheapest of all prices. Meanwhile, Israel is, you know, buying up millions of vaccines and inoculating their population. The United States had already started vaccinated by that point. So what they've done in Europe is they totally failed on that. And that was just buying them, distributing them is an, an entirely different issue. There's something about the U.S. and our decentralized model. There's something about the way that the states work and the federal government and the way that things are structured that does make it quicker to respond. And I love the examples, the laboratories of democracy that we have from places like Florida and Texas. When we see states that are doing it well, we can copy that example in North Carolina and Virginia and elsewhere. And we see states that are failing, like California and New York, we can totally avoid that. So I think that's something that a lot of Europeans recognize. They wish they could have that kind of cleavage. They wish they could have that kind of uh, decentralization, particularly on vaccine matters. Uh, but yeah, to, to to see the just the amount of people having fun, I mean, just on my own Instagram, the amount of people going to bars that are full and uh, having a good time and dancing, I tell you, Joe, it looks like it's 1980 or something. Well, you'll be able to uh, cut the rug up uh, in just uh, a couple of hours uh, as uh, you set your sights on the U.S. Uh, through the swamp and then here to the old North State uh, with your family. And I'm sure your family just extremely happy uh, to see you and uh, your parents, their granddaughter. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, she's up running around talking and it's going to be a, a completely different uh, situation than what we saw, what, six months ago when you last uh, you know, came to the States. I mean, you can imagine how many families have not seen each other in months. Uh, and, you know, maybe they just live in one state over. For us, it's an entire country, an entire ocean. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be a great time. I love being back in North Carolina. Finally, I can, you know, light up my barbecue, smoke it up in the whole neighborhood. They will not only not care, but they'll probably come over and give me tips on how to do it better. So I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. No one calling the cops on Yael when he brings his smoker out into the courtyard uh, like uh, he, he, he's he been uh, carried to death uh, out there in, in Vienna uh, just because he wants to smoke some meat by himself in the middle of uh, an empty courtyard. Unbelievable uh, when you hear these types of stories all over the world. Yael, you have a piece at ConsumerChoiceCenter.org looking at, of course, you know, the amazement of these private companies that have developed the vaccinations alongside the federal government through Operation Warp Speed. And now around the rest of the world, they are lobbying or pushing an idea that these private companies should be basically abandoning their protections so they can get cheaper vaccines uh give us the lowdown on how this is playing out uh, throughout uh, you know many countries around the world so I, I know i'm going out on a limb here but if there's anything i think the pandemic has taught us in the very end is that big pharma works they do a lot of bad things they do a lot of things i don't agree with i, d I certainly don't support the amount of political giving that they do or where they try to capture certain regulations but when it comes to vaccine technology it has been momentous. They projected at the time, if you remember during the Trump administration, they, they basically said that when Trump said everyone would have a vaccine by April, it was an absolute joke. It was far-fetched. It was a moonshot. New York Times said that there wouldn't be a vaccine until the year 2033. 
Meanwhile, we fast forward less than a year and we already have all of these working vaccines. Now, I think that is an amazing, momentous occasion. And these companies certainly deserve credit for that. And governments are buying billions of dollars of doses. But then there are other governments like India and South Africa. They don't want to buy the billions of dollars worth of doses. What they want to do is they want to have the technology, the research, and all the tech that was put together by those firms. And they just want to take it and put it in their own factories, meaning the government would seize the technology from our own pharma companies, from pharma companies in Germany, and basically take that, put it in their own factories, and be able to distribute the vaccine at a lower price. Now, that's what they say, and they say it's all temporary, and they're, they're joined by a huge coalition of groups that definitely want to support it. But this kind of measurement, I think, is very dangerous, because it means that when we're talking about a globalized world, when we're confronted with the Chinese Communist Party and we know how they trade and how they do business, if we start loosening IP protections at this time on this important issue when we have the ability to distribute these vaccines globally, that is going to be perilous for all future innovations, especially medical. So if you're a patient, if you have your parents, if you have a cousin or someone who has uh, cancer, for instance, or some kind of rare disease, how do we know that these companies can make up all that research and development to be able to find a cure? The company that makes the Pfizer vaccine beyond tech, they're a cancer research company. What are they going to do with all their money now? They're going to create the next mRNA cancer cure, and I'm pretty sure of that. It's going to be awesome. That's why there's this entire mechanism about trying to take away the IP of these vaccine firms. It's a hugely convoluted and complex topic, but I think it just has to do with the fact that we have to be able to protect intellectual property. These are property rights that exist just like that piece of land that you have or that car that you have in your driveway. The intellectual property, the great entrepreneurs of our country who are able to find solutions and provide value, we have to protect that. If we let that go... If we let that dream of IP slip away, then we're no better than Chinese communists who basically do that day in and day out in their factories and copy so many patents and things from the Americans. So I think especially that, very important, uh, really for medical innovation, Joe, this is the future and we really do need to protect it. Hey, as it relates to China, since you brought them up, anytime you hear the words intellectual property, you can point to stories all over the country where American businesses and organizations, as you say, you know, have their patents, their products stolen. The products that they deliver you know, are made in a way that is much cheaper when it comes from China, oftentimes you know, bootleg, if you want to call it that, and not up to the standards, yet they sell for the same price and compete in the marketplace as do the American companies uh, for just quickly? Can I know this wasn't necessarily on the docket here today? Just talk about you know the impact that has on American businesses and the ability to you know make a profit and uh, you know remain competitive in this uh, marketplace that we have here in the U.S. and around the world. Yeah, it goes. There's two ways of doing it. One is the cyber crimes, and I've written an article on this. The Chinese military was behind the hacking of Equifax uh, back in 2018. It actually uncovered the financial and credit information for 150 million Americans. So if you're listening to this, you're probably on there. That's one way that they do it, and they go in and they steal patents from you know the network computers at your company. The second way they do it is through the partnerships. 
So companies like Apple or Microsoft, they'll go to China to set up something in a factory, or let's imagine it's a, a local metal shaping something in Wilmington. They partner with a company in China to fabricate their products. As an agreement for doing business in China, they have to set up a new company, and they have to send all of their intellectual property to that company in China so that they can get the business going and ship out the products. Meanwhile, two months later, there'll be a copycat factory that has your IP, your company's IP, basically creating the exact same product at half the price. So what you're doing in that circumstance is you've just had uh, your great idea, your plan, your formula stolen from you. And uh, essentially, now it's being copycatted around the world. And that's something that impacts consumers, because a lot of times it's uh, very crappy quality as compared to what you might have had. And it means that we don't have true incentives for innovation. And that's really what's problematic about that. There's a, it's a two-pronged approach that they're doing there in uh, the Chinese Communist Party regime, totalitarian state. And I, I hope we can continue to call attention to this. Uh, Joe Biden may might be asleep at the wheel on this. Uh, hopefully, he'll wake up in good time. Well, again, when we talk about uh, you know China, just quickly, because uh, you know President Biden made mention of them and the need to hold them accountable and to make sure that we're doing our best to, to you know, keep our adversaries at bay. But it seems as if uh, the plans getting put forth by the Biden administration. Uh, resemble a lot like uh, you know centralized planning like we see in countries uh, as described like China uh, isn't it freedom innovation and uh, you know that uh, uncanny capitalist way of life that we have in the country as a way to compete with our adversaries and not try and beat them at their own game with more centralized uh, government planning and spending I definitely agree it all comes down to that culture it all comes down to trying to be robust uh, to trying to be, you know, a small government, but a huge culture, a big global forest without having, you know, everyone submitted to some kind of poverty or poverty of the state. That's the American ideal that I know we are striving for in many different circumstances. And people are living it, you know, Joe. And I think one thing I love about your program is that you are able to blend in the culture, you're able to blend in the sports and the politics. You get people from different political persuasions who are listening and providing comment. And we are what makes up the country. And it's not just defined by who sits in the White House. And there are so many great ideas out there, people who are innovating, people who are creating value, people who are creating community uh, in Wilmington or elsewhere. And it's that kind of mantra that certainly attracted my family to move to the United, to the United States, millions of others, and will make us very strong in the end when you compare us to China and many of these other countries. China is a place that is run by the spies, run by the spooks. Everyone is looking out essentially for just themselves because they're afraid of the secret police and whatever the communists might be doing. We live in a free country, and that is actually way more attractive to so many people. It's why you have millions of Hong Kongers who are trying to come to California and Florida. It's why we have millions of refugees who want to come here every year. We're a beacon of hope, Joe. The light, the freedom, that is America. Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us, ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, their website, host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show, alongside his tag team partner, David Clement. Uh, their program airs uh, on Saturdays at 10 o'clock as part of our great schedule of uh, 
programs that uh, run from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., all locally driven from uh, the Big Talker FM. Yael, a couple of weeks back, you and I were talking about the United States Post Office and its uh, uncanny and uh, inability to you know, not deliver the services needed for uh, consumers. When we talk about, uh, you know, when we need something in a matter of days, it takes weeks and sometimes months. As uh, you received a package via the U.S. Postal Service, what, after weeks uh, following the delivery of that package, we often, as a small business, highlight the inability to receive the necessary invoice payments that we send out uh, you know in a timely manner to keep the lights on and uh, you know our employees paid one thing i guess the post office is good at these days maybe the only thing is the fact that uh, what we're hearing is that they are actually spying on american citizens through social media and other intelligence operations come on the u.s postal service doing this give me a break uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, by the way, I'm, I've now waited three weeks to get the letter that was um, sent to me. That is my stimulus check, my first ever stimulus check. Uh, it's been three weeks, still waiting on it. Probably will never get it. Either way, what is the Postal Service doing? Uh, this is a story that is is not really being covered by much. You've seen it in a, a couple of outlets. But what we have is that the U.S. Postal Service apparently has an agency called the Internet Covert Operations Program that exists within the post office. And what they do is they actually do dragnet surveillance on social media. And what they've done is actually highlighted a couple of uh, conservative protests that have happened, some things related to the Proud Boys, some, some tax groups. And they've put out bulletins that go out to the Homeland Security office. Uh, yeah, remember this whole thing with the Patriot Act and uh, the government opening up your mail and spying on you? We're now at the level that the post office has its own sort of FBI, CIA within it uh, that is looking at social media, looking at what you're looking at. I think definitely that there has to be a larger congressional investigation on this. I know uh, Representative Nancy Mace down there in South Carolina is talking about it a little bit, uh, but this is pretty atrocious. These are people that are supposed to send your mail, not be, you know, the George Orwell 1984 spy machine. Uh, I, I hope p- people keep talking about this because, uh, yeah, this is not how my free market postal service would act. I'll tell you that. So the post office can't deliver our mail on time, but they can spy on American citizens and report them to uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and they can do it apparently in an effective and efficient manner. How does that all work? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Your checks bouncing around Wilmington, Joe, they are nothing compared to the uh, post office intelligence reports that are sent within hours to their destination. Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us here this morning. Yael, I know we had one more topic uh, that we wanted to get to here this morning. We're running short on time, but I want to carry it over into next week because the conversation surrounding immigration in our country is not going anywhere. Situation on our southern border, you being a naturalized citizen. And apparently a former president, George uh, W. Bush, has uh, come out with uh, some... Well, critical statements surrounding the Republican Party recent viewpoints on immigration in our country. And I got I got through part of your article. I disagree with some of it. I agree with other portions of what you put together. And I think it's worthy of a more lengthy discussion. So let's pick it up next week. 
I love it, Joe. Yeah, thanks so much. Important issue, a lot to come, and uh, that's why I love coming on here, Joe, because it's beautiful to disagree. No doubt, and I can't wait to disagree over a cold beverage, adult beverage, real soon when you make your way to the North Carolina coast. Well, there you go. I, I disagree. I drink my ale at room temperature. So oh, of go. course you do. You, you, you're a Euro snob, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, brother. Thanks so much, Joe. That's Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center. I'll take my cold, my brews nice and cold, frankly, you know, in an ice bath. But, hey, to each his own. We can agree to disagree and still enjoy each other's company. How about that? We call it the good old U.S. of A. And we wish Yael, his beautiful family, safe travels as they make their way back to the States uh, uh, tomorrow. And uh,